So, go ahead and go to Mark chapter 14. Well, tonight, if I want you to get this message, what I'm going to share with you tonight, I think, is um, if you can get this and if you can practice this in your life. All of you, just the people in this room would practice this. Everybody would do this in our church. If everybody could get an attitude of the individual we're going to be looking at tonight, it is what makes a difference in a good church and a bad church. A lot of times everybody, you know, they kind of put everything on the pastor. You know, and the pastor obviously is a very important part. It's a huge thing, but you can have the greatest preacher in the world, and if there's no people, it's not going to be much of a church. And you can have the friendliest pastor in the world, but if the people in the church aren't friendly, uh, it's not people aren't going to consider it a friendly church. And I'm, I'm thankful. I think that's one thing our church does have. We have a good reputation of being friendly, and you know, definitely keep that up. But um, you know, I've my life. You know, I've only been in a couple different churches in my life. I remember I was in a few different ones when I was just a little baby. But really, just this church and my last church are the only churches. I've ever been a part of and a member of, but I've always fellowshiped with churches, and I've been in a lot of churches, and I, and I, I do. I know a lot of churches. I know a lot of people from different churches, and I, I've seen churches that, man, you know, there's churches I know that I look and I see what goes on in that church, and I'm just like, wow, you know, this this is great what I see here. You know, I, I have a lot of respect for them and admiration in a lot of good ways, and then there's other churches I'm like, man. I hope we're never like that church. You know, Lord, please don't let that happen to us. And man, I wouldn't, I wouldn't ever want to go to that church. I, I've seen both kinds, and um, you know, and I'm always, I'm always watching. It's, it's just, you know, it's what I do. When I go to another church, I'm always, all right, you know, what can I, what can I learn from this church? You know, what are they doing right that we could do in this church? And you know, and as as one individual, you know, I can only do so much. And so the key is, you know, getting everybody doing their part, doing more. But, you know, a lot of times not everybody really knows. They don't understand how some of the small things can really make a big difference and how important those small things are. And they, they, they really have no idea. And uh, I, I think part of that is my job to teach you all the importance of these things and, and show you what you can do. We talked about that a little bit last week as we talked about the laborers and the importance of the laborers and you kind of inspiring other laborers and recruiting other laborers and training other laborers. But uh, tonight I want to get a little more specific as far as what you can do. All right, and go to Mark chapter 14. This is a pretty well-known story, but there are some uh, there's some interesting things in here that I want us to look at that. Jesus made a big deal out of that you and I would not think anything of it, but he did. He made a big deal out of it. And I believe it's because this attitude that this woman had uh, that we can see in the book of John was Mary Magdalene is an attitude that I've, I've seen people have in their churches, people who are very involved and committed to their churches. And I'm telling you, it makes a huge Huge difference. And so, Mark chapter 14, verse 3 says, And being in Bethany, in the house of one Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious, and she brake the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, Why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. And Jesus said, Let her alone. Why trouble ye her? 
she hath wrought a good work on me. For ye have the poor with you always, and whensoever ye will, ye may do them good, but me ye have not always. She hath done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the bearing. Verily I say unto you, Wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. And Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went unto the chief priest to betray him unto them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. And he saw how he might conveniently betray him. Notice it was like this was the thing that finally pushed Judas over the edge. He saw this woman come along that we see in the book of John was Mary Magdalene, I believe. And he just, you know, what a waste of money taking this expensive ointment, pouring it all over Jesus. And this could have been sold for 300 pence, which I looked at one commentary and they said that equals about 40 some dollars in today's money. I don't, I don't know, but let's just assume that's what it was. You know, $40 for some ointment, you know, that's, that's expensive just to pour on somebody. You know, imagine if I took a bath and I said, you know, that bath and all the soap and everything I used cost $40. You would say, well, that was, that was kind of a waste. That was a little unnecessary. And, you know, you'd probably complain. You know, my wife would complain. $40, we could have spent that on something a lot better than, you know, you just having a pleasure bath or whatever. But, uh, you know, understand, though, she was doing this for Jesus, all right? And Jesus, he rebukes those that were murmuring against her. Why trouble ye her? They were making her feel bad for what she had done, but Jesus said she's done a good work. She hath done what she could. I like that statement, she had done what she could. Fanny Crosby, most of you probably know who she is, but she wrote many of the hymns that are in our hymn book. A lady who was blind. Uh, She was blinded at birth. She wasn't blind when she was born, but she got blinded by something the doctor did who was intoxicated at birth. But that woman never used that as a crutch or an excuse. She was extremely gifted and poetry writing and songwriting, and she wrote many wonderful hymns. But if you look at her tombstone, it's, it's you know as well known as she is, she's got this kind of crummy looking tombstone. It says Aunt Fanny across it, and then it says she had done what she could, and that was that was kind of her testimony. She did what she could do, and you know I I think she did a lot. I, I I'm thankful for many of those songs that she wrote that are a blessing to people today. And we ought to have that attitude. Just do what you can do. That's what Mary Magdalene was doing. And I want you to notice, before we get kind of the main point I want to get to in this, notice though how when it came to this gift that Mary did, when it came to this service that she performed for Jesus, she was not interested in the cost. I don't think, you know, once again, I might be reading into some of this a little bit, but from what we know about Mary Magdalene, who was... You know, I mean, obviously a very close follower of Christ who loved Christ very much. She, I don't picture her worrying about this. For whatever reason, she's like, okay, I'm here in a house with Jesus. I want to do something for Him. What can I do? You know, what can I do for Jesus? Hey, I have this ointment. I, I, I don't think she went out and necessarily bought it for that reason, but it was probably something precious that she had that somebody gave her, and she's like, I could use this for Jesus. And so she took it and used it all on him. Not even thinking about it, just glad she was able to do something. I mean, I, I think, I, I believe, it was in her mindset and her mentality that, man, you know, I'm privileged to be able to do something for Jesus Christ. 
I'm thankful to do that. And we see that when it comes to, you know, sacrifices, you know, sacrificing luxuries, it will bring criticism on you sometimes. People who just kind of go crazy serving God and just who sacrifice things, many times get criticized by their family. Many times they'll, you know, like they'll, you know, maybe their mom. Okay, some mom and her son's grown up and he's married and he has kids and he's like, you know what? I want to go to Africa to be a missionary. Well, mom throws a fit. Why? Because, you know, she hates the thought of her son, you know, leaving the comforts and the luxuries of America and going and living in a third world country where there's dangers out there. You know, that's just kind of how they think sometimes. And, you know, Mary Magdalene was probably poor. Okay, I mean, here's, here's proof that she was poor. Her and Martha and Lazarus, you know, three, you know, three siblings all live together. Okay, now what siblings live together when they're adults, unless they're really poor and they have to? Oh, that's my opinion. But anyway, I mean, I picture them being poor, and and you know, people will do that sometimes. When you just start giving your all for God, you know, why are you doing that? Why would you do that kind of waste? Why would you give your tithes and offerings to that church? Why would you spend that much of your time? Going to church. What? You go to church more than once a week? You go to church on Sunday nights too? Why do you need to go twice in a day? Why do you need to do that much? Why do you need to go on Wednesday night? I know people, I've heard this type of thing before where it's like people almost get mad at you for sacrificing. There are people out there that, I mean, literally get angry when they find out that people give a tenth of their income to a church. It makes them angry. Why? Because they're thinking you could do so much more with that. You know, you could use that for your family, all right, which is noble, right? Now, notice, you know, everybody you know, says that too. They're acting all nobly. You could use that on your family, which is so much better. But who was the one who said, you know, we could have taken that money and used it for the poor? Who was it that said that? Judas. Judas wasn't thinking about the poor. Judas was thinking about himself. You know, he could have taken that 30 pieces of silver he betrayed Jesus with and given it to the poor. But, you know, he was thinking about himself. And people who are like that, the reason they get so down on Christians who sell out for God and just, I mean, sacrifice and give their all to God, they get convicted because they know they're selfish. They know they're holding back. They know they could be doing more. And so it bothers them when they see people giving their all. It brings them conviction, and it should bring them conviction. And so, you know, the critics, the phonies, they're going to tell you that you're wasting your life. Why do that? Why spend that much of your time doing that? The critics and phonies, you know, they'll tell you, you know, there's a better way to give. You know, instead of you giving in the offering, you know, go do this for your wife. Go do this for your kids. You know, like, you can still do nice things for your family, even when you tithe. Uh, I, you know, we've never been rich, we've always tithed. In our family, we do nice things, you know, and so maybe, yeah, maybe we could do more. Maybe I could have that boat I'm always talking about, but you know, I, I, I'm not worried about that. Mary, she wasn't thinking about that. You know, I, I, honestly, I don't miss, I don't miss the money that I give for the things of God. I don't miss the time that I put in for the things of God. I, I don't, I don't even think about it. Many times, though, the critics and the phonies, they do think about it. They do notice it. Mary, she's just like, I want to do something. What can I do? Here's something I can do. And she did it. Her service that she performed, it had a purpose that she did not understand. Mary, when she did that act of service, that pouring 
that expensive ointment on Christ. Now, this is important. I want you all. We're, I'm going somewhere with this because this is this is the key. If you if you all get this mentality and you start showing this type of service, this type of attitude in this church, it is going to make a huge, huge difference. You will have a huge impact as an individual. I don't care what your abilities are. I don't care what your talent is. You doing these small things, we're going to, I'm going to point out, it, I'm telling you, it will make a huge difference. More than anything I can do just from how I preach, or uh, I'm telling you, it makes a huge difference. She, did, she didn't even understand the purpose of what she was doing. Look what it says in verse 8. Jesus said she had done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body for the bearing. Okay, Now, wait a minute. You know, what's the big deal about that? What's the big deal about anointing His body for the bearing? Because first of all, the things that they would put on the body, the you know the fragrances and things that they would do, that was usually something they did after they died. If you remember when they came to the garden on the third day, wanting somebody to remember, they wanted somebody to roll the stone back because they were going to do they they wanted to do that for them during that time. But understand, this is not Mary was not doing this for Jesus because she knew he was about to die, was going to be buried. If you Look at the timeline of this story. This was very closely, uh, it was right after the time he raised Lazarus from the dead. If you, read, um, if you read the account in John where it mentions it, it mentions there at Simon the leper's house and Lazarus is there. You know, and Mary's there, assuming Martha was probably there too. And so it was, wasn't long after that when they end up putting Jesus to death. And understand that you know, he says she's done this for the bearing. She's done, she's done it beforehand. She didn't know that, but what she had done, it actually had a purpose. See, we can't always see or understand the part that our service plays in the will of God. You say, well, wait, what's the big deal about anointing His body? We're going to get to that. Okay? But this was something they did. It was something that was a big deal back then, anointing the body. They, you know, The corpses would start to smell a lot sooner than they do nowadays because they didn't do all the embalming and stuff like we do now. But it was it was an important thing, and we all know what Romans eight twenty eight says. And we know that all things work together for good. They work together for good to them who love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. When you do what you can do for God, not when you do the big things, but when you just do what you can do, no matter how small it is, it there's there's an effect to it. It has an impact on other things that ultimately can accomplish great things for God. And we're going to we'll see here in a little bit what I'm talking about, but you know anything that you can do for Christ, anything. It's worth doing no matter how small. Anointing the body for the bearing, no big deal. Did Jesus have to have his body anointed was it part of some Jewish custom or or law that they had to do? No. Jesus could have went to the cross without His body being anointed for the burial. He could have died without His body being anointed and having that type of thing done to Him. He could have done without that. Okay? Understand that. That gift that she gave, that sacrifice that she made, Jesus could have done without that and He would have been just fine. 
And you know what? There's a lot of things that this church can do without. And we'll be just fine. There's a lot of things that you and I can do without. And we'll be just fine. But here's the thing. Is that the attitude we want to have when it comes to our church? When it comes to our people? Oh, we can do without that. Well, yeah. But here's the thing. When you love something, when you love somebody, do you want them doing without things? Now, we're, it's okay, you know, it's okay for us to sacrifice for ourselves. You know, I can do without that. But it's, it's not really right to do that to everybody else. You know, I, I can do without a meal. I, I can go a day without eating, and it won't kill me. I'll think it's going to kill me several times throughout the day, but it's not going to kill me. But do I have the right to just say, you know what? I'd like to save a little bit of money. My kids can all survive a day without eating. They could. Do, they could. It won't kill them. They all will think they're going to die. But you know, I'm not. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to make that choice for them. As a father, I want to feed them. You know, there was a lot of things that Mary couldn't do, but she didn't let that stop her from doing the one thing she could do. Okay, understand what Jesus had coming His way with the cross. It, there was. You know, we know in the story just a little bit later where Jesus went with his disciples into the garden and he asked them to pray for him. Mary wasn't with him that. Mary couldn't watch him pray for an hour. Jesus didn't ask her to do that. She couldn't do that. She wasn't able to be one of the twelve. She wasn't one that God gave or that Jesus gave authority to go and uh, you know cast out devils and to you know heal people of their sickness. He didn't give her the authority to do those things. And Mary, she didn't sit around and pout and say, you know, I can't do this, I can't do that. Therefore, I'm going to do nothing. She had Jesus at her house and was like, okay, what can I do? Well, I've got this expensive ointment. I'm going to put that on Jesus. And so she just did the one thing she could do, and it turned out. She was basically giving Jesus something that he could have done without, but yet most people didn't do without. You know, we, do, we all make the choice of doing without some things, but when it comes to those we love, don't we want them to have the best of everything? Isn't that our attitude? For example, you know, what she gave him was something that was a part of funerals back then. Okay? Now understand, because of the way Jesus died, because... You know, he was, you know, executed. He didn't get the royal treatment when it came to a funeral. Okay? What did they do? They quickly took him off the cross. They wanted to get him in a tomb before the Sabbath day. You know, he, he got thrown in a tomb. He wasn't treated with great respect. Okay? It was an execution. So they weren't going to be able to do all the formal things that they normally would do in a funeral. So Mary, unknowingly, she gave Jesus something that everybody else got in their funeral that he normally wouldn't have got. And even today, in funerals, okay, now we don't do the anointing bodies. stuff. That's not something we do in our culture today. But think about it today in funerals, things that we like to have, okay? Don't we all like, don't we all want a nice tombstone when we die? Okay? I mean, don't we want a nice coffin? Now listen, you can, I mean, you're going to bury the person. Why can't we put them in a cardboard box? Think about that. But who, I mean, when, if, when your loved one dies, do you really want to put them up here in a cardboard box? Oh, they're dead. They don't know any better. It doesn't matter. They're your loved one. You want to put them in something nice. You know, you're going to dress them up in a nice outfit. You want them to get the royal treatment. You want 
the mortician to dress them up nice and do their makeup and do their hair and make them look natural. You know, like <laughs> you know, you you want them to do all that stuff. You want them. You you want a nice obituary written up, don't you? You know, you want you're going to want that in the paper. You want all those things that go with the funeral. Now, here's the thing too. When you lose somebody, you're not always thinking about a lot of those things, are you? And so funeral homes, okay, they do a good job of providing all those little things that you and I don't even normally think about. But at the same time, we all know that we all notice these things when we go to funerals and we all appreciate these things and we all would want them at our loved one's funeral. Like I said, the tombstone, the coffin, the nice service. Okay, you do you want a nice service. You want the preacher there. You know, you want the singers, you want the musicians. Okay? And in Baptist funerals, we don't want the boring organ player, do we? Alright, we want piano, right? We want you know, we want something that's you know a little bit happy. We understand they graduated to glory, not, you know, are just you know, dead and you know, sad and boring. You know, that that's not what we want. You know, we want and think about this, you know, we would want the, there's always the doorman there, isn't there? There's always the guy there in the suit that opens the door and closes the door. You've got the guy out there that directs all the parking. Okay, and we want those things for our loved ones. We want somebody out there putting flags on all the cars that are in the funeral possessions, don't we? Say so now now can we can people do without those things? Yes. But do we want our loved ones to do without those things? Absolutely not. We care about those people. We love those little things. We want there to be the nice little uh, brochure thing, bulletin or whatever. What do they call the program? I don't, I don't know what they call those. That has all their information in there. That has their obituary in there. We want those things there. We want people giving them out. We want the flowers up on the stage, don't we? We like we like having those things. Say they can do without all those things, but we do. We want those things. They're important to us. People will spend a lot of money on those things. You know, we want we want the long funeral possession. We want to go out to the cemetery and we want everything to be all ready to go. We want the tent out there. We want everything we want everything all set up. All those things that you and I don't even think about that we're all used to seeing. If we you know, if, if one of our close loved ones died and we had a funeral and we had somebody arrange all that stuff and all those things were missing, it would bother us, wouldn't we? Wouldn't it? Because we want the best of everything. We want those who we love to have those things. And understand that Jesus Christ, He was not going to have those things. He did not get a great funeral. But you know one thing He did get? He did get the anointing for the body. He had to get it ahead of time. So that's not a big deal. Well, the thing is, it was to Mary. It was something that she could do. It was something that she, you know, she was able to contribute something. She was able to give Jesus something that everybody else got, something that he was definitely worthy of, you know. And but the funerals, they, they do all these things because once again, most of the time you and I don't even think about it when we're, you know, when we're dealing with that stuff. If you, if you, you know, lose somebody, you know, many times if it's, especially if it's unexpected, it's kind of a shock, and you've only got a few days to prepare for the funeral. But they know these things are important. They're important in our culture. There's something that we all want. An anointing body for a burial, it was something that they did back then. It was something that was important to them. And it wasn't going to be done.
for Jesus, but it did. It got done. And even though we all would consider it small and unimportant, she was able to do it, and she did it. This is something I can do. And I'm going to do it. Why? Because there's no sacrifice that's too great for Jesus. I mean, think about it. Okay, first of all, He was God. Okay? How can you do too much for God? How can you do too much for the Creator? Think about this. He had just raised her brother from the dead. Think about that. I mean, do you really think she was worried about $40 worth of ointment when she was for the guy who raised her brother from the dead? Maybe just a day or so before? He was her Savior. He had saved her. He had saved her soul. He had cast seven devils out of her. What do you think her life was like when she had seven devils living inside of her? I doubt it was very good. Jesus had cast those seven devils out of her. She became a follower of Christ. So you know what? I don't think I don't think she cared. I don't think she was worried about it. She wasn't sitting around counting the cost. She wasn't, you know, thinking, you know, how how could I this, what can I do? Was her attitude. And then she went and she just did it. And you know what? We don't have Christ in the flesh with us right now. But we can do what she did by doing things for others. What did Jesus say in Matthew twenty-five forty? When He did it to the least of these My brethren, He did it unto Me. And right there is the attitude that we need to have when it comes to our church. Okay, the things that we see maybe in other churches, the things that other places do that we like, that we appreciate, things that we could do without. You know, we we could do without the nice bulletins. Okay, we could we could just print things up on plain white paper, and it'll get it'll get the message across. People will know. But you know, eh, this is my church. I want to have a nice one. You know, we could. You know, get us some just canned music to play all the time. But I like having musicians. You know, I'm glad we have ones that play good too. I think I think that's a blessing. You know, we could just we could just throw some things together. Hey, I could just pull some sermons off the internet, get some outlines off the internet. That's easy to do. It's a pretty popular thing to do these days. It's an easy thing to do these days. But you know what? I want our church people to have a little more than that. You know, I want them to have a pastor that actually studies the Bible and actually puts some effort into what he's doing. You know, we there's a lot of things that we could just that we could do without. You know, there's things that you know there's maybe there's some things that we are doing without right now that you know I I think it's nice in churches when there's when there's greeters. You know, to make sure everybody feels welcome, to make sure a visitor comes in, you know, they're getting visitor cards filled out, making sure they're getting introduced to the pastor and going around and introducing to other people, you know, somebody who's just the welcoming committee, if you want, you know, want to call them that, you know, whatever. You know, there's a lot of things that, you know, that we don't have, and, you know, maybe you don't know about them. You know, maybe you've not seen them before, maybe this is what you're used to here, but you know what? I mean, whatever it is, you just need to think, well, what am I able to do? What do I have the ability to do? And then whatever it is, well, that's no, that's no big deal. Actually, it is. You know, we do. We appreciate those little things when we go into other churches. You know, people. I think. You know, we might take it for granted. We don't have to clean this church. I mean, think about it. 
it's church. Aren't we here to serve, worship God? Aren't we here to focus on God? So, why does the place need to be cleaned up? I mean, are you so carnal that you can't keep your eyes off some garbage on the floor and just pay attention to God? Why do we, why do we need to do that? You know, why do we need to try to keep the building this you know as warm as we do in the winter time? Why can't people just wear extra clothes? You know, hey, we we want people to be comfortable. You know, we want people to have to, you know to have the best of everything. We want people to you know we want to make sure everyone feels welcome. We want to make sure you know other people in our church are are taken care of that they have things. You know, we you know whatever it is. You know, we like the friendships. We like being recognized on our birthday or on our anniversary. We like you know we whatever it is that you like. Okay. Whatever it is that you know, maybe you've seen that's important to you that other people do. Say, so you know what? I can do without those things, but I don't want. To, I don't want everybody else in our church to do without that. I don't. Want, I can go without being welcomed. I can go without being recognized. But you know what? I don't want that for the people in my church. You can borrow me. You can bury me in a cardboard box. You think I'm going to care? I'm going to be dead. But you know what? I don't want to be buried in a cardboard box. Because I like to think my family wouldn't want that for me, <laughs> okay? But and that and that's the attitude that we ought to have. I can do without some things, but I don't want those that I love to do without those things. Our church could do without some things. You know, we'll find a way to survive. You know, without your tithes and offerings, okay? But you know, so, but you know what? I, I don't want them to do without it. They can do without. They can they can survive without my five dollars. But you know what? I want them to have my five dollars. You know, they they can they can make it without my service and without my help. They can make it. You know, they'll the preacher will still preach. They'll still survive without my faithfulness, without my attendance, without me being there. But you know what? I don't want them to have that. I I I, I want them to have that. I want them to know that they can count on me. I want to be faithful. I want I want to be a part of that church. I want to help. I want to do what I can. And that little thing that you do, it might not seem like a big deal, but once again, all things work together for good. Then we love God. And you might not realize that little thing you're doing is having an impact for, for bigger things. She didn't realize that what she did had a purpose. She was anointed, she was preparing his body for, for the burial. She didn't know that, but that's what she did. And you just have, I mean, just little things. It's amazing the things that people notice. You know, it's it's amazing sometimes the comments that I've gotten from people who visited this church who've noticed some of the little things that people do that impress them. And I'm just like, wow, I'm glad they did that. <laughs> you know, I didn't ever thought of it. I didn't ask anybody to do that. I wouldn't have noticed that, but they did. You know, maybe they came from a church where nobody did anything. Where nobody seemed to take responsibility for anything. But you know, maybe they see you and you're walking around, and you're the kind of person, you see a piece of paper on the floor, you don't wait for the janitor to get it, you pick it up yourself. Somebody sees that and they're like, Man, you know, I, I like how they take ownership of this place. I like how they're taking care of the place. I like how you know, I like the fact that there's a lot of people doing things in this church. It's not just the pastor doing everything. The people are involved. The people are participating. And when they see that, when they see a place, well, man, you know, this, it's, you know, it's like a beehive. Everybody's doing their thing. Everybody's participating. People want to be a part of that. You know, you would think 
that people, when they would go, when they would go to a church that where nobody's doing anything, or maybe they go and it's just the pastor. He's putting on a one man show all the time. He's doing everything. People walk in two minutes before the message. They walk in two seconds after it's I walk out two seconds after it's over. You know, pastor does absolutely everything. You would think somebody, a servant who went to a church like that, would say, "You know what? This place needs me really bad. I want to be here and help." But you know where they want to go? The servants want to go. They want to go to the places where everybody's working. The place where everybody's involved, where everybody's helping. It's like, well, wait, doesn't that place already have a lot of help? You know, why shouldn't they want to go to that place? Maybe, but they all want to go to the place where everybody's doing their part. Because nobody wants to feel like they're carrying the whole load, do they? Nobody likes that at all. You know, that's why welfare has never really worked very well. You know, all you do is take away, you know, incentive for the heart, you know, for the people aren't, that aren't doing anything. You discourage the hard workers. And, it's, and I'm telling you, when you're, everybody's doing the little thing in the church, that's what makes a difference. It spreads. Your small thing that you do that you might think has no significance at all, it inspires others to do what they can do. And here's the thing. This is what Jesus said about her. He said, she hath done what she could. Okay? Now, maybe for you, that's hardly anything. But, maybe others who see you doing what you can, it motivates them to do what they can. Maybe they can do more. Maybe they do have the ability to do a lot. Brother Gomez, he at their church, they've got a theme that they use when it comes to giving. and It's not equal gifts, but equal sacrifice. I think that's a great attitude across the board, not just with you know your money, but with time and everything. Not everybody can give the same thing, you know, in numbers and, and money. But I think everybody ought to sacrifice equally. I think that's a, I think that's a great attitude to have. And so, you know, you do you doing those little things and them become important because you just love this place. Mary did what she did because she just loved Jesus. Jesus isn't here in the flesh right now, but He said we can do these things to His brethren. Those in His family, those who do His will, we can do it for each other. And it would be the same thing, according to the Bible, as us doing it for Jesus Christ. So you know what? I don't want our church people to be without this. I want, I want them to have that. I want them to have the best of everything. You know, I was surprised when I started the church here how many people, when I visited them, had never gotten a visit from the pastor before. How many people, when I went and saw them in the hospital, they never had a pastor, and they've been in church before, never had a pastor visit them in the hospital before. I'm just like, what? You know, I was like, you know what? I want my church people to have that. You know, a preacher that'll visit them, a preacher you know that will pray with them. I want that. I want them to have that. That and, and I think you know it made an impact. On some people, I'm glad it did. I didn't think it was a big deal. I just thought that's just what you do. But apparently, a lot of places aren't doing that kind of thing, and so we do. We need to do these things for our brethren, and you know, and even visiting people in the hospital, stuff like that. You know, that shouldn't just be the pastor doing that either. It's actually more impressive. You know, it's it's really it's not always impressive when the pastor does something good, but when other people in the church are doing it too. And everybody knows, hey, they're not getting paid. you know they're not getting paid for this. You know, that that means that it means more to them. 
sometime. You visiting somebody in the hospital can have a bigger impact than me doing it. You praying for them can have a bigger impact on them. And that should be our attitude. I'm going to give the best. We would all give the best if it was Jesus Christ. Well, He's not here in the flesh right now, so we do it for other people. And sometimes, too, and this is happening in a lot of churches, you know, you get real spiritual, you get real humble, and it's like you try doing more for those in the world than you do your brethren. we got a lot of churches now that are getting all about serving the world and serving the community and forgetting about God's people. But you know, you can help, Bible, you can help lost people whenever you want. Notice when, when uh, Judas said that, they could, sold for 300 pence and given to the poor. Jesus said, you have the poor always with you. Whensoever you will, you can do for them. Hey, you can help poor people whenever you want and you're, you're not sinning. You're doing something good. Go ahead. You can help poor people whenever you want. But you know what? Mary did something better. She helped Jesus Christ. We can go out and we can help the community, help the poor. We can do that whenever we want. And there's nothing wrong with that. But we have a greater opportunity doing things for God's people. Greater opportunity. And you can help You can help lost people whatever you want. But you know, nobody would think I was a good parent if I neglected my kids while taking care of other people's kids. Nobody would respect me for that. And you know what? We shouldn't neglect our brothers and sisters in Christ You know, while we just try to make ourselves feel good helping the world. And that's happened in a lot of places. And we don't want to do that. We need to have that attitude. If you will take that, you know what? I'm just going to do whatever I can. I don't want my church to be without the little things. Whatever they are. Whatever those things are that you see... And you've seen in other churches, you've experienced things that most of us would say, yep, we can do without those things. Say, you know what, I don't want my church to do without those things. Our church, we could get the cheap, nasty sandpaper toilet paper. But you know what, I want the soft stuff for our church. And so I'll go buy it if I have to. You know, I want us to have, you know, whatever. That should be your attitude when it comes to the things of God. Say, well, I, I can't do everything. So then you do what you can do. You just do what you can do. No matter how small it is, find something and do it. And when you really love somebody, when you really love something, you'll find a way to do those little things. And I do. I hope you'll do that. For, you'll do that. Just do what you can do. What's my place, Liberty Baptist Church? It's your job to do what you can do. And I don't know what I can do. Well, come see me. I'll give you some ideas. All right. So, with that, let's all stand together.